You're now listening to the River Claremont Podcast. So we're in a series called Faith, Open, Love. We started last week just speaking about faith being one of my favorite subjects in the world to preach about. I believe faith is just an exciting topic because when you talk about it, it like supercharges you to believe for more, do bigger, confess bigger, stretch out bigger, and just watch the Lord meet you in the midst of it. Amen. Amen. Who in here has ever seen the Lord do extraordinary, miraculous things in your life when you stepped out in faith? I believe it. I receive it. It's true. As Kenneth Hagin used to always say, be a believer and not a doubter. Amen. Believe the word of the Lord and just launch out in the deep. And I promise you, even when it feels like you're going to sink, God will meet you there. So today we're going to talk about hope. Shout hope. hope. As a believer, you should be a hope bringer. Amen. You should cause people to feel like they can do more, believe more, great things are in store for them. Your presence should make a literal, emotional, mental difference in someone's life. You should carry that level of hope where people leave your presence and feel like they took a breath of fresh air. Come on, somebody. Not they got sucker punch. Not like, man, things are worse than I thought. You know what I'm saying? So you should be a carrier of hope. Thank God for that. One of my favorite preachers to listen to is Kenneth Hagin. Listened to him many, many years. I'm exhausted probably thousands of hours by now of his material. And he was one of the the leaders of the Word of Faith movement. And I I love Kenneth Hagin, but I will say this. I noticed in the Word of Faith movement years ago when I started studying out faith and hope that there was like kind of a negative attitude towards hope in the Word of Faith camp. Sometimes they were like, man... You know, if you ain't got the Word of God, you're just hoping something's going to happen. And you can hope in one hand and have faith in the other type thing. And so I believe, you know, ultimately it was kind of like a negative thing. I grew up thinking when I was early, like hope doesn't matter. I just need faith to get the thing done. But how many people realize that faith is the substance of things hoped for? So if you don't have hope in your life, you, you got nothing to apply your faith to. Are you with me? So you should, you should be brimming with hope. Hope is an expectation of something great happening. Amen. So the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13, 13, our our foundation scripture for this series. And so faith, hope, and love abide. Faith being the conviction and the belief respecting man's relation to God and divine things. Hope being a joyful and confident expectation. Shout expectation. A joyful and confident expectation of eternal salvation. Love being a true affection for God and man, which grows out of God's love for us and in us. These three, but the greatest of these is love. Expectation, if hope is a joyful and confident expectation of eternal salvation. Expectation is a strong belief that something will happen or be the case in the future. I used to think that everybody had a degree of expectation in life, but truth be told, there's a lot of people that go through life with very little expectation. They just kind of just every day, what case sera sera, what will be will be. You should have some form of expectation, amen. And what you focus on, last week we talked about how fear is basically ultimately a perversion of faith. It's where you put faith in your opposition rather than your resource or supply, right? I'm afraid that I can't make it because the enemy is too great, the financial need is too big, there's not enough people on my side, then I'm putting faith in what is coming against me rather than what I've been given from Christ. 
So it's like a perversion of it. Ultimately, it's whatever you're believing in at that time. Well, if I challenge you, if, if, if fear is a perversion of faith, then doubt is a perversion of hope. That when you begin to doubt the goodness of God, doubt whether it's going to come together, doubt if this is going to turn out, doubt if God will show up on your side, doubt yourself, doubt God's presence in your life. Those types of things begin to rob you of an expectation of good things in your life. So, yeah, you might have an expectation, but it's an expectation of doom, right? Or it's an expectation of this thing's going to tank. And I just challenge you with that. There's so many people walking around with such a poor expectation, believing things are going to get worse. You even hear people say it. You know, pinch your knock on wood because if you don't, things are going to take a turn for the worse. Crazy things that come out of people's mouths. You should be filled with a confident hope. No matter what happens, it's going to be good. Amen? Amen? I believe it. Do you believe it? I want to read this scripture to you because the Bible says in Philippians 2 verse 9, God has highly exalted him, being Jesus, and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Why do we have good hope? Because Jesus is Lord. He's Lord of my life. He's Lord of heaven. He's Lord over the enemy. So even my enemy is subject to my God. Come on, somebody. So if God is Lord of my life and I'm submitted to his will and he promises that good things are coming, guess what? Hell can't stop the good things from coming in my life. Nothing can stop what God wants to do. He is Lord of my life and Lord over all. Every knee will bow concerning that. So just trust in the Lord. Amen. Doubt the perversion of hope. Why does hope matter? Why do you got to cultivate within yourself an attitude of hope where, man, great things are happening, even in the midst of crazy stuff going on? Because ultimately, when we take a leap of faith or we go into the things that we're believing God for, maybe it's going into marriage, maybe it's going into business, maybe it's going into ministry, whatever it is, that everybody in here, there's the nagging thoughts, what if it doesn't turn out right? Who in here on your wedding night was nervous? Don't raise your hand. (laughs) I thought Pastor Linda was shooting her hand up right away. She was just combing her hair. Lord, if this is not your will, let a fat squirrel run in the windowsill right now and spit a nut out. What are you going to do when that squirrel shows up? If that happened, I'd probably not marry the person. (laughs) Hope matters because when things get challenged, what happens is that ultimately, okay, I'm going into business or I get a prophetic word. The Lord spoke to me, you know, I'm going to give you increase. And so I take a move towards that in faith by, by works because faith without works is dead. So I'm moving towards this, that then opposition will come. And if you're not a person of hope, then you're going to register that opposition as what many people say, well, it must not be the Lord or God's not on my side because this is harder than I thought it was going to be. So I must have missed God. And then you're going to quit before you ever get a breakthrough. Hope has got to be within you where no matter what comes down the pike, this thing is going to turn for good because God is on my side and it will work out in Jesus name. You should brim with that so that every challenge that comes doesn't make you quit. It just makes you gear up and smile knowing, bless God, something awesome's about to happen. 
being a person of hope, injecting people with hope everywhere you go. As the Bible says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, so your faith has nothing to attach it to if you don't have hope brimming within you. Are you a person of great hope? Now, there's a lot of things that go on in this world to try and just break your will, break you down, make you feel hopeless, make you feel worn down, make you feel all of these things. And we're going to get into that in a moment. But I wanted to say this before I get anywhere else. Zechariah 4.10 says, do not despise the days of small beginnings. Who knows that scripture? Who has used that scripture every time you've launched into anything? Come on, do not despise the days of small beginnings. I remember when I went into ministry, I told the Lord distinctly, I'll go, you want me to go, but I'm not, if, I, if, if in 10 years, nothing's happening, and I'm like in, you know, Toad Suck, Arkansas, <laughs> preaching to 10 people, that's a real city name. It is, somebody knows. They were, you from Toad Suck? You've been through Toad Suck. I have too. Just keep driving. I don't... <laughs> You know, you drive through and you wonder, why? I don't want to know how it got its name. I don't know what was happening here, but praise God, I don't live here. I said to the Lord, if 10 years, I'm, I'm a toad stuck Arkansas with 10 people, I'm quitting. Because I, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to spend my whole life, not from an arrogant standpoint, but from a place of, of I believe you should produce fruit. You know what I mean? Faith, I'm going to produce something for you, God. So breathe upon it, and if you're not there... I'll find something else that you're in, you know. But ultimately, you got to try that thing out. But I know once you start, even now today, a decade in, I'm still at the place of how long are the days of small beginnings? You know, like is it a 10-year? Is there like a 20-year? What is, what is days of small beginnings to you, God? You know, I'm just curious, asking for a friend. When is the day of small beginnings over? And the day of great, exceedingly, abundantly rewards ahead of me. Am I with, anybody with me right now? And I was driving down the road like I always do talking to the Lord because I don't really listen to the radio. It annoys me. It irritates me. So I'm just talking to the Lord. And man, this thought hit me this week that I was like, literally everything. I just said literally like wrong. Literally everything on earth is the small beginning. Everything this side of eternity is a small beginning compared to the glory that will be revealed in us. Are you kidding me? Nothing. If I was the president of the United States, it's still small because what is ahead of us, church, is beyond your wildest expectation. Hallelujah. So the answer to the days of small beginnings is everything this side of eternity. But one day this, immort or this mortality will put on immortality. In the twinkling of an eye, I will be in the presence of the Lord God Almighty. Mansions, streets of gold, crowns, the glory of God is there. And that's where you're going. So who cares? Even if your entire life you never make it to these goals that you think you need to make it to, you're still just in the days of small beginnings. Why do we have hope? Because we know Jesus is Lord. He's King of Kings. He has a prepared a place for us that one day we will step into that place. And until that day, when am I saved? Today. Today is the day of salvation. When am I seated in heavenly places? 
Right now, I'm seated in heavenly places. Come on, somebody. When am I filled with the Spirit? When am I the temple of the Most High? Today is that day in Jesus' mighty name. Today is the day. So I have all of these things. Why do I have hope? Because it is good, but it just keeps getting better. It's only going to get better. A child of God realizes no matter what this world does, we are guaranteed it only gets better for us each and every day. Am I producing enough for you, God? Well, ultimately, that's in the hands of the Lord. Arise up each and every. The Bible says that he daily loads us with benefits and the mercies of God are new each morning. Think about that. Where does my hope come from? Not that I'm going to make the best decision every day of my life. Who in here has ever made a really stupid decision? Who in here has ever invested in a surefire thing <laughs> with quick returns? And man, I'm going to fund the end time harvest. Who in here has watched five figures become zero figures? Yeah, bro, every time. And it's like, that's not, that doesn't mean the Lord's not with you. Doesn't mean that God's not going to bless you. Doesn't mean that you're broken. Doesn't mean you're you're in over. It's every day the mercies of God are new. Why do I have hope? Because God is on my side, and each day is a brand new day for me, and great things are ahead of me. Amen. Amen. Sometimes I can look back on my life and cringe at things I've done. You know, like look back and believe, cannot believe. Oh my gosh, I can't believe I was so socially stupid. I was going with. I was going with retarded, but stupid will work. <laughs> Socially unaware that I said that. I can't believe that I did that. Oh my gosh, you cringe for yourself. It's like you remember it and you're like, <gasps> and the worst part is we're talking about last month. <laughs> we're not talking about a decade ago. These things just happen, bro. It's not even a safe distance. The testimony can't even be shared yet because it's too, still too new. <laughs> but guess what? How many people know you screw up today, tomorrow the mercies are new. Wow. Every day you get a fresh start. Every day the Lord's like, I'm still with you. I'm still on your side. Repent, move on, keep going strong. Today is going to be a good day in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Hallelujah. We are people of hope. Hope brims from within us. We're people of dreams. Children of God are people that we're dreamers, man. We should have vision from God. That's part of the promise of the Spirit being poured out. That you should regularly in your life be dreaming of great things. Man, I ain't seen nothing yet. I just know one day this is going to happen. One day that's going to happen. One day you should be a person that cultivates that. Amen. So that people get around you and it stirs within them an expectation of greater things ahead. Because there is always a greater thing ahead. Are you with me? Even in the presence of God. It's like the time I was praying and it came out of my spirit. Thank you God for your ever increasing love. I'll never forget it. I was in the kids building. Walking around in morning prayer. And I was like, Father, thank you for your ever increasing love. And I thought to myself, what does that even mean? What do you mean ever-increasing love? But it came from my spirit as I was praying. I began to realize that he's perfect, yet he's always getting better. There is no limits in God. So literally, all, he is always accelerating, always better, always greater, always more magnificent, always. And that's for eternity. And that's ahead of you.
Jesus. Come on, somebody. What's ahead of me is greater than anything I've ever seen or known. Amen. It is so good. Today is a brand new beginning. So stir things up. Without hope, tough situations break people. You lose hope. You go through a challenge. You don't have the fortitude of spirit to keep moving forward. And it breaks people. That's why marriages fall apart. That's why people wind up taking their life. Ultimately because they lose all sense of hope. And then things get hard. And hard times break them. Every time you're going through a tough situation, you need to remind yourself about Moses. You need to remind yourself about David standing before a giant with nothing but a slingshot, bro. You know, he didn't even have an AK-47. Didn't even have a 9mm. Didn't have a 45 Magnum. He had a slingshot. I've used a slingshot. It's not even very accurate. Think about everyone. Think about Joseph being thrown into a pit. Think about these people. Think about Daniel in a, in a lion's den. You're like, God, it's so tough. And every single time you read that, you need to remind yourself, this is not a fairy tale to teach me a moral. This is a historical fact of what happens when a person believes the word of the Lord. That he will move heaven and earth to protect you. You are assured these things. God is on my side. And if God is on my side, who can stand against me? Are you with me right now? Tough times, they won't break you. They just fuel within you a greater fortitude and a faith to say God is as good as he declares that he is. I've seen it. I believe it. He's on my side. And God is doing great things. Amen. Amen. Who in here has ever read Sun Tzu's Art of War? We had about four people in the first service. Okay. Business people recommend it. It teaches you how to dominate and crush your enemy. I recommend every Christian read it. How many people know we're in a war? And my job is not to be scared of the devil. It's to make the devil scared of me. May he be terrified of me. As one preacher said, when the devil goes to bed at night, he looks under the bed to see if I'm hiding under there. Amen. Terrify the devil. All your presence should strike fear in the devil's heart. And you get that way by learning. Number one, I'm going to read the quote, and then we're going to go into um, the meat of what I want to preach today. We're talking about hope. Even against all odds, being a person of hope, because God will turn everything around for you. Sun Tzu says in his book, Supreme Excellence consists of breaking the enemy's resistance without fighting. If the mind is willing, the flesh can go on and on without many things. Victorious warriors win first and then go to war, while defeated warriors go to war first and then seek to win. To know your enemy, you must become your enemy. In other words, you win the battle before you ever get there. Well, if the enemy recognizes, which probably the devil read Sun Tzu's book, I see him in a Barnes and Nobles. Sipping a coffee, probably in New York, because everybody knows it's pretty liberal there, so the devil feels at home. He's actually nicer than some of the people that live there. I'm just joking. I'm just trying to get a rise out of you guys today. You feel a little dead. If we could get a shot of espressos in the place, amen. <laughs> a 
So the enemy is like, here's the deal. I'll break them through the struggles of life so that they don't accomplish what they're supposed to accomplish. Because if I can convince them that they're losers, then they will be losers all their days. If I can make them believe a lie, then a lie will become their reality. If I can crush their willpower, they'll never rise above. And that's ultimately what happens time and time again. The enemy's war is in our minds. And he uses every weapon available to crush you and make you believe, number one, that the supernatural doesn't even exist. People begin to lose sight of the wonders of God and the reality that God can turn things suddenly in a single moment and turn it all around. God can do supernatural things. God can take sickness and lift it off of you in a split second. Just this past Sunday night, we had a woman get healed by the power of God in the middle of service from something that had been attacking her for months. Come on, somebody. Supernatural healing. Amen. Keeping that understanding. And so, if we're in a war, how does the enemy break your hope? Number one, by regret. The Bible literally says concerning the devil that he is the accuser of the brethren. So he'll throw your past in your face regularly. I should have done that. I should have done this. I shouldn't have gone there. I shouldn't have sowed that seed. I shouldn't have given that. I shouldn't have joined that business. I shouldn't have changed careers. I shouldn't have moved to Florida. I mean, it goes on. I shouldn't have married that person. I shouldn't have taken that promotion. I shouldn't have quit my job. I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have done any of those things. Regret is one of the things that the enemy throws in your face, always launching your past back at you to try and make you feel unconfident about your future. If you can throw your past and all your past mistakes in your face, then you're going to lose hope about good things coming. Because even if it's something good, it's not going to happen for me. Let me tell you right now, I'm an idiot. I've noticed the reality of this, that in, in seasons of great where we're pressing in as a church, and we're going through something, and we're coming out the other side, and the breath of God's on us, and you just feel the momentum, then crazy times. I've had this happen three, four times in my life. Some friend from high school finds me on Facebook and sends me a message. I can't believe you're a man of God. You remember all those things you used to do, blah, blah, blah? Just throw in your past, bro. That's like 22 years ago. Who even remembers that? I didn't, at the, at, the, at the state I was in, I didn't remember it the morning after. Much less right now, but that's the way the enemy works, to throw your past in your face, to remind you that you're not qualified to do anything for God, that God's not going to do it on your side, on your part. All of these things, living in regret. I should have prayed harder. A lot of sermons we teach ultimately wind up leading to sometimes condemnation in us. Where it's like, I should have prayed harder. I should have known differently. You made a mistake. Guess what? His mercies are new each morning. You could have screwed up big yesterday, but today is a brand new day. There is therefore no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. The past is past. It is dead and gone in my life, and it has no bearing of where I'm headed right now in Jesus' name. Praise God. And I tell people, if all the devil has on you is your past, then your future is secure. It's going to be good. It's going to be better than good. Stir that up within you and realize, man, the should have, could have, would have, everybody in this room lives with. We all should have bought crypto 15 years ago. Amen. 
we would all be living in the Bahamas, bro. Just talking about how sweet the Lord is. Imagine being the dude that you see all the stories that like bought a piece of pizza or something with a, with a Bitcoin. He bought like a big Papa John's pizza with two Bitcoins. Dude, it would have been worth 120 grand back in the day. But he paid 120 grand for pizza. At least I've never done that. You didn't hear about that? He paid two Bitcoins for a pizza. Back when Bitcoin was like basically starting. Imagine being that dude realizing, I could have really held that right now. Bought a house instead of a pizza. Hindsight's 2020, people. If we were all able to live backwards, we would all be a greater success. But you got to keep moving forward. Amen. What did Paul write about that? He said, the one thing I've learned is I forget the past and I keep pressing forward. Forget the things behind me. Learn, move on, keep going, sharpen yourself, but run your race flat out knowing, man, God's still with me. Great things are ahead of me. There is awaiting me a glorious welcoming into the streets of gold and the presence of God forevermore. But before then, faith in me right now declares that I will see good things this side of eternity. Because Paul, when he wrote that, forgetting the past, he said, my goal is that I might even come to know the power of the resurrection while still alive in this body. Come on, that resurrection power is working on the inside of the church today. Great things are ahead of you. Do not let the devil break you down and discourage you with regret. So you screwed up. We can all pass a microphone and talk about how bad we've screwed up. Right? And some of you, it was like this morning. That is bad. You better just hang your head low until tomorrow, and then it'll be a fresh start. Sorry, but don't touch me. You're contagious right now. <laughs> Send them out into the lawn. Put them in the quarantine tent. Quarantine tent. Never <laughs> your regret. The enemy seeks to break your hope down from regret. Then that leads to exhaustion. People are exhausted in America. Bro, we are the like caffeinated energy drinks. I mean, look at how many people go. Just go to a Wawa. And watch how many people are drinking Monsters, Rains, Celsius, Jockos. I mean, pumping down these energy drinks just to keep their body going. They lead themselves to absolute sheer exhaustion. Back in the day, people used to recognize that they needed to actually go on vacation. And we're not talking about a two-day vacation. People used to go on like six-week summer breaks. Come on, I watched Dirty Dancing. I hate to admit it publicly. Those things existed back in the day where they would go for weeks to those things, six weeks all summer long on vacation. Now America works themselves straight to the ground. Just run themselves ragged. You're ragged all the time. You just pop another two-way white cross. Drink some more energy drinks and keep going. When you get exhausted, you make the worst decisions of your life. Physical exhaustion makes you do dumb things. It's like, I don't know what it is, but it's almost like even your spirit feels depleted or something when you get too tired and then you just say and do the dumbest things. 
You wind up in places, you wind up falling in things you would have never fallen in because you're not rested. Jesus said to him, your spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak. Rest from time to time. Don't let yourself lose hope because you're just running yourself flat out. Why do you do that? Because you feel like the weight of the world's on you. I've got to be the one to fix this. I've got to be the one to bring the solution. I've got to be the one to provide. Sometimes you've got to learn to step into the place of rest and trust that God will provide. Amen? Even if all you can afford is to stay on your couch for two weeks and read the Word of God and just rest in His presence, learn to make a time in your life where you're not running 24-7. We're too busy. We're always busy. We're running. We're blinking our eyes and years go by. People are exhausted. Break the train of your life that's just moving and plummeting you into oblivion because you're so busy all the time, you can't even stop and smell the roses. Amen? How many people, when you look back to your past, you feel like just remembering your past, you weren't as busy as you are right now? Nobody? I was like, oh, okay. Man, 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 it's only me from time to time. You get busy in life. Learn, and if you get exhausted long enough, what leads, what follows that is sickness in your body and physical pain. You get physically depleted, now your body manifests and all sorts of sickness comes. You're, 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 you've, you've fried your, your internal workings. So people are sick, now they're dealing with sickness. And what happens? The enemy uses that. Sickness comes upon you. Why? To discourage you. Well, if God was with me, I wouldn't be, doing, I wouldn't be going through this. If God was real, then these things wouldn't happen. If God's a healer, why do I have all this? These things that come against your physical body causing pain and sickness. There was a time in my life because of all the wreckings and everything I'd done, totaling cars and stuff like that, that I compounded and fractured my neck to the point where it was inverted. And it was like grinding together. I lived in 24-7 pain. My wife had to get up in the morning and grab my neck and pray fervently just for me to get out of bed. And she would. She'd be like, in the name of Jesus. Just start moving the head because she was a faith preacher. You know what I'm saying? Ow, 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 ow. Eventually half your body would go numb. And then it was like, you're right, babe. I can go. Feel great. I don't feel anything. (laughs) I used to go to chiropractors. And they would actually, I remember like the last one I went to, um, they pulled me into a side office. Like they had the group where they meet people and they're like, we need to meet you in the side room. And I get shoved into the side room and the, like, I feel like I'm in trouble with the chiropractor. And they were like, we need to talk about addiction to pain medication. And I was like, why do we need to talk about that? They were like, well, you must, you, you must have some severe pain medication to be walking around like this. And I was like, I don't take any pain pills. And the guy was like, you don't have any prescription for any pain? I was like, I don't even take Tylenol. I don't believe in that stuff. And he was like, well, I've never seen a neck like yours and a person walk around like that. It was that bad, 24-7 pain. And I was pressing in, pressing in, pressing in. God heal me, God heal me. But the pain was so intense, I couldn't see through it. It's like I didn't have faith for healing. And finally, I remember telling my wife, what if I don't have faith that God will heal me, but I have faith that God will get us the finances to go to a specialist. She was like, all right, whatever you have faith for. So we researched and found this sports chiropractor guy in Tampa that was like the leading guy, saw the Buccaneers and all these professional athletes. 
And I went into his, his place, he did an x-ray, he felt my neck. He said, it's the worst neck he had seen in 25 years of sports chiropractic. He said, bro, how are you walking around? I was like, in, in pain. I'm walking in pain. It took months and ultimately thousands of dollars to, to, to see that through. And he was like, I don't even know that I can help you, but I'm going to try. It was like lasers involved. These look, they look, look like, they look like torture devices. Didn't they? And when he pulled them out, I was like, what am I I'm paying you for this? It's like a metal thing that he had to grate my spine and tear the uh, scar tissue up in order to reef. To, 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 it was awful. Talk about pain. Pain that would almost make you pass out. But I have a high pain tolerance. So it was all cool. <laughs> Anyways, I endured that. But I said all that to say this. The pain... Throughout every aspect of my life, spiritually, everything I was going through, I was blinded by sickness or pain at that time. People go through that, and it's used to discourage you, make you think the Lord's not on your side. Well, if God was with me, he would have healed me. Well, when I said, what if I don't have faith for that, but I have faith to pay for it? I can't explain it, but thousands of dollars miraculously came in during that time. We were living at that time barely getting by with our paychecks. I'm talking scraping the bottom of the barrel. We needed thousands to see the specialist. Every time I had to pay, thousands of dollars would come in. Checks in the mail, money appearing in bank accounts. It was indescribable. That God was like, if that's where your faith is, I'll supply. I'm not saying God couldn't have healed the neck. That would have been a lot cooler. Yeah. It would have been less painful. But he did heal it. And today I don't have any problems. I walk around totally healed. Yeah. Amen. But you get in this place of physical torment, physical pain. It breaks down the will of the person to make them feel God's not with me. If God was with me, this thing would have been dealt with already. Would have been gone right now. Look, cast your cares on the Lord because he cares for you. Your declaration every day of your life, I don't have a single care whatsoever. He's the one that cares for me. Amen. Trust God. Sickness might come. It may plague your family, but guess what? God is a healer. He will deal with this thing, learn to cast it on him, and trust God through it all. Navigate to the best of your ability, whatever comes your way, and do not lose hope because God is a good, good God. Amen. Amen. Sickness, physical pain, then that basically leads into areas where now you get overwhelmed. Anybody in here ever felt overwhelmed? You know you're overwhelmed when you can't even make a decision what you want to eat. When, when someone asks, what do you want for dinner, and you start crying, there's probably some issues. <laughs> you just, I just can't commit to a tuna sandwich. I mean, why do you put such pressure on me? Why do I have to tell you what we're going to eat? If I pick spaghetti, you won't like spaghetti. She'll hate it, and they want tacos. Bro, chill out. It's just a meal. It's not a big decision. But you feel so overwhelmed. There's so many things going on. You don't even have the energy to make a small decision. Right, anybody ever been there? And you're like, oh my gosh, I don't know what to wear. Do I wear brown shoes or blue shoes? It doesn't matter. <laughs> you know, interestingly enough, <laughs> hardest decision in the world, what to eat. You know that place where you're starving? But everything you have doesn't sound good. Isn't that such a horrible place to be in? Let me, word of wisdom, do not go grocery shopping at that point. 
you will have a cart full of several hundred dollars of junk that you get home and like, I don't know how I bought all of this. This is awful. <laughs> Hungry. But when you're overwhelmed, you can't make a decision. And then the enemy uses that. But I remember reading an article. It was interesting about some of the world's most successful people. It was actually, it was studying Steve Jobs, um, Zuckerberg, and then politicians, some of the leading politicians. And it was that politicians, leading politicians, a lot of them, they buy all the same color suit. Yeah, they'll have like six of the same suit. They'll just have the same color tie and then white shirts and blue shirts. So that there is literally zero effort in deciding what to wear. Steve Jobs wore a black turtleneck jeans, and like flip-flops every day of his life. Mark Zuckerberg wears a black hoodie, a white t-shirt, jeans, and vans. Billionaires dressing like that because they realize your mind is a muscle. And if you use that muscle for small things, stressing about what to wear, then you're fatigued to make other decisions. Ultimately in life, the enemy crushes our hope, our expectations, discourages us by overwhelming us with a lot of nothing. It goes down to just being too busy. You got too many things coming at you and you can't make good decisions anymore. You feel overwhelmed. Learn to just release that to the hand, to the hand of the Lord. Don't let yourself get so caught up in life that you're just overwhelmed all the time spinning so many plates. Let some of the plates fall to the ground. Are you with me right now? Half of what you're doing, you don't even need to be doing. You're just doing it because the, the neighbors are doing it. Which leads to the other way the enemy uses to crush our hope. That's comparison. That's the biggest killer of all. That you spend your whole life constantly comparing yourself to other people. Where they are, what they've done, what they look like, what they've accomplished, how old they were when they accomplished it, how they're doing it, how they're gracious. Their marriage looks better than my marriage. I had horrible hair in the 9 o'clock service probably, so everybody was like, at least my hair looks better than him. My wife was like, you have to fix your hair before the 11. So that's why I went obediently to get my hair done. <laughs> Apparently she was embarrassed to be in public with me. I, I, I used to shave my head because I was too lazy to do hair. Uh, so I always kept it really late, short. So I was like, that way you wake up and it's ready to go. It's efficiency, people. Now my wife talks me into you got to have your hair, but I'm like, someone's got to do it. I can't do this. First world problems, obviously. But anyways, comparison. Comparison is like every aspect of your life where you're putting it before other people. You see a lot of marriages fall apart because they assume this marriage is better than their marriage. You look at other people and assume they're more financially stable than you are. All of these things that you're looking and you're comparing yourself out, which puts you under the gun to always keep producing and always try and do better and always try and sharpen yourself. And it's basically a rat race of life to super exceed those around you. Why? So that then ultimately you can feel like you're better than everybody else? Because that's what it leads to. As the Lord told me years ago, and he told me this concerning ministry, because when I went into ministry, the Lord said to me, Caleb, I don't want you to compare yourself to other people. 
What he was talking about is the timeline of how long it took them to get somewhere, how big their ministry is, what their influence was, these types of things that I you know, was looking and equating. It took them six years to get here, took them eight years to produce that. In a decade they were there. So I'm looking at all of that, and the Lord said, don't compare yourself. Because you're either going to feel like you're doing better than them, which will make you prideful, or you'll feel like they're doing better than you, which will make you jealous. And neither of those do I want for your life. Comparison's a killer, man. Constantly comparing yourself, always measuring up. And I promise you, you compare long enough, there's always somebody way outperforming you in some area of your life. But they didn't start where you started, and they're not, their, life is, their life is not your life. They don't, they've not get, gone through what you've been through. So literally, no life is the same. Everybody in here, you are uniquely and wonderfully and fearfully made. And you are the only you that has ever existed. And no one has ever gone through what you've been through. And some, many people you admire, what you've been through would have broken them, but it didn't break you. Right. Are you with me right now? And learning, man, my life, I can't sit there and just compare myself all day, every day to everybody around me. i got to trust the Lord. And just keep my eyes on Jesus. Do what God tells me to do. And even if I don't feel like I accomplish everything this side of eternity, when I get there, none of it will matter anyways. I promise you, you won't get to heaven and be like, man, I wish I had more time on earth. You'll get to heaven and be like, praise God. I made it here. Amen. Forget that old clammy earth. Man, I'm in the streets of, of, of heaven with the wondrous king. Amen. Now, so let me give you tools to beat that. Number one, so the enemy discourages you, leading you to hopelessness. First thing you got to do is learn to speak life. Amen? If Jesus is Lord over your life, he's Lord over your house, and he's Lord over your enemy, then it will turn around good. That's a confession that comes from your mouth every day. Amen? God is on my side. Great things are ahead of me. I bless my family. I bless my household. Speak to yourself, declare things to yourself, speak to your children, declare things to your children, lift up and speak life, not negativity, amen. Stirring these things, let the river of God flood you. Just yesterday, I was running through the house singing about how great a dad I was, just made it up on the spot. I felt wonderful afterwards. I was like, I'm the greatest dad that's ever existed. Listen to my song, and everybody's rolling their eyes, but deep down, I know that they believe it. <laughs> speak life it takes zero faith to complain it takes zero faith to nag and 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 criticize just like paul and silas in a prison cell at the midnight hour they could have easily talked about how bad it was but they didn't they cultivated something from within that made them praise and exalt the lord in the worst of circumstances and what happened in a single moment, that turned around. The prison was shaking, and they walked out of that place as free men. Speak life. Let it roll from you. Amen. My family's not going under. They're going over in Jesus' name. Speaking these things out from your spirit, man, and cultivating life flowing from you. Life, when you feel heaviness, speak it out in your, in, in, in your own private drive to work. Declaring life over yourself, declaring good things, declare blessing over it. I was sharing in the in the night. Well, years ago, we 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 invested our our all of our money, all of our money at the time that was not being used to pay bills, with a Nigerian businessman 
which ultimately is already sketchy. <laughs> Nigerian businessmen aren't exactly known for their good ethical problem. You know, I am the Nigerian prince that you have been looking for. So, but the Lord, I really felt the Lord say it. He was a, he was, he was a good man. I just pick on it because he was Nigerian. Afterwards, I did realize he is Nigerian. And especially in the three months that he ghosted me after I gave him my money, and then I didn't hear from him, I was like, he is Nigerian. <laughs> but, so we gave him money, and he came to me and he said one word. He was like, the Lord said, scooters. And I was like, scooters? Like, all right, yeah, scooters. What, what does that mean? He was like, we're going to buy scooters. I was like, oh, okay, scooters it is. So then three months goes by. I gave him all our money. I'm texting the guy. I'm calling the guy. No response. I'm like, where did my money go? <laughs> if I, now, we remember talking because gas skyrocketed to $4.50. So we were like, well, maybe we can just get one of the scooters for ourselves. <laughs> we got scooters somewhere out there, babe. Let's get a scooter. <laughs> we're not walking away from this thing totally lost. At least we'll have scooters to ride around, you know? Me, me. Months goes by. Now, what we could have done is literally just spoke negative. Oh, man. It's gone. It's over with. We've been had. Worst decision ever. If God was with us, it certainly doesn't show. But we would, we would grab hands. You know, I'm just saying what people say. And every night before we went to bed, because we wanted to complain, we would not complain. We would just be like, Lord, we just declare our scooters, if they do exist, are just scooting off the lot in Jesus' name. I mean, when you're completely in the dark, the prayers you pray are, are humorous. Lord, if, that, if they even exist. We bless those that drive our scooters, God. Let them tell all their friends to get a scooter at Scooters Nigeria, wherever they Three months goes by. Finally, I get a hold of the guy, and I was like, bro, where have you been? He said, we've been selling so many scooters. I haven't had a chance to tell you. I've reordered scooters multiple times. We're just selling scooters all day long. I was like, for real? Can I, I was like, can I have a scooter? He's like, we've sold them all. I was kind of bummed about that. But our investment went multiply. It was the greatest investment of my life to date at that time from scooters that you just spoke life over. Amen? Speak life, not negativity. Speak, speak faith, not doubt. Speak hope, not destruction. Speak it out, man. You're going into business. It doesn't take a person of faith or a person of hope to tell you everything that could go wrong. But there's a lot of people that that's all they talk about. Well, this could happen, that could happen, that could happen, that could happen. Just plan for success. And if you fall flat on your face, plan that he will lift you up, dust you off, and you're coming out swinging the next time. Amen. Trust the Lord. Speak life. Then laugh. Laugh. Shout laugh. laugh. Learn to laugh in Jesus' name. If you need a little bit of help from time to time, watch funny things. I watch all the fell armies and the fell blogs. Every time people hurt themselves, it's hilarious. My wife hates it. She winces and I'm crying laughing. 
And it's like, it's repetition too, just so you know. You got to watch it over and over again. And then before long, you're crying, laughing. But she's like. <laughs> but I learned to laugh. Just the other day, I called a friend of mine. Was, uh, they're having peer conference down in, in, in um, Fort Pierce, Pastor Nicholas Curry. I get on the phone with him, and I start talking about, you know, when, when my father-in-law asked me to take the offering in, in Tampa. I'm like, what are you going to preach in Tampa concerning an offering that hasn't already been shared 733 times this year? You know, like, I feel like what, what, hey, I just feel like you got a revelation for giving. Oh, do you? Do you now? Yeah. Let me drop a zinger on you. <laughs> I got nothing, bro. So I said, so I, just get up. I just get up. Someone came to me afterwards. The last time I was there, and they were like, you know, we have a lot of great speakers. But we always like when you come because it's not so much about the revelation <laughs> as it is about the humorous stories you tell. <laughs> you got to stick to your strengths in life. You know, so <laughs> Give. And anyways, the other day, <laughs> I'm standing there, and the guy said no. So, so I'm, telling, I'm telling Pastor Nick that we both start laughing. I nearly run off the road. I'm laughing just so hard at the, at the ridiculousness of what is my strength in life, you know. Watch this, you know. But, but then the thought hit me. I was like, you know. Drunk people do give. I was like, when I was in the world, I woke up broke all the time. All my money gone. And I never even regretted it. Couldn't remember where it went, but it must have been a good time. sober <laughs> it takes the whole calculation out of the brain entirely I don't know what I began with and I don't know what I ended with <laughs> laugh you know years ago it's like when I turned 40 my mom told me <laughs> what Huh? Oh, I, I know, but they were laughing. It was pause for effect. <laughs> I took oral communications, I know. It's all about keeping the crowd on their toes. And then. <laughs> Mom. <laughs> My mom told me that 40 was hard on my dad. That when he turned 40, the, the comparison thing hit him. And he was not as far in life as he wanted to be. Other people were more successful. His father had gone further. The business was greater. Here he was. We're eating pinto beans and cornbread three days a week. I mean, seriously. Using the same ham hock or whatever they call it. Oh, just cooking that thing today, and there ain't no ham on that thing. That's just a bone thrown in with beans. <laughs> Even the dog won't gnaw on it. That thing, all, all that marrow's done right out that sucker. 
<laughs> and so 40, he was feeling really, really, really down. And uh, then he was kind of went through a whole cycle. I remember because he wanted out of, out of this, out of that, everything like that. But I remember one day my dad was particularly really going through a heavy time. You could see it on him. My dad was pretty much a joyful person most of the time. Because uh, so, he just learned to laugh a lot. But he was like heavy. So I convinced him not to work that day. Because we worked seven days a week on a dairy farm all the time. I was like, let's just watch Dumb and Dumber <laughs> and Major Pain. So I can't testify whether they're really that good of movies anymore. I haven't seen Major Pain for years. But we sat there and cried laughing all. And my mom said, you know, my, my dad would talk about that with her. Over and over again, how that day just helped him change his perspective, got a breath of fresh air in, in, in the farming, and just felt recharged just by spending time with his little boy, and we just laughed hysterically. Laughter is good. A merry heart doeth good like a medicine. You can laugh away many problems. Amen? So learn to laugh. And if you need some help, find somebody funny out there. Watch a funny movie. Do whatever it takes, but laugh and laugh often. You know, I remember when I went to RMI, when, of course, they have the joy of the Lord and people laugh and, and, and in the presence of the Lord, which how many people, that's good. I'd rather laugh than have depression in the presence of the Lord. <laughs> it's not like we all have, it's not like a, it's a cult, they all laugh and have fun. Well, there's other cults that have to drink Kool-Aid to go to some, <laughs> if I'm going to join one, let's join the fun one then, amen, <laughs> At least we ain't sipping Kool-Aid in some back corner. At least, at least we ain't pulling out poisonous snakes saying, watch this. There ain't none of that going on. We're all weird in certain areas, but at least be weird in the right areas. But I remember going there, and I'd never experienced it. And there was a group of people, like, just laughing. I mean, the presence of God. And that was like that moment where I was like, you know, nothing's funny. But they look like they're having fun. So I remember the moment where I was like, I just was, good, you know, walking closer. Clo I didn't even know these people. <laughs> and when I got close enough to them, you ever tried to interject yourself into a conversation? Waiting for that time to jump into the conversation? And you're like, <laughs> that reminds me of the other day. That's what I did. <laughs> That's exactly. I walked up to him and I was like, <laughs> it was like the, like the awkwardest thing ever. But you know what? After a moment, it was great. And I felt like I totally belonged. <laughs> uh, awkward moments are the best. <laughs> Speak life. Laugh. And then do something different. Sometimes in life you just got to shake up the things. Stop doing the same thing over and over again. You've ate a tuna fish sandwich every day for six years. Try salmon. It's time to get wild. Shake it up a little bit. You've had cocoa puffs every day. It's time to try the peanut butter flavored. Live a little, people. 
You know what I'm saying? You do this. The people get in ruts in life. And my wife said this. She said it's, it's, it's a psychological thing that when you go on vacation, the days seem longer. And you feel like time slows down because it's all different experiences that your body's retaining all of it. So when you remember a day, it feels like a long day. Whereas you can go through a work week and blink and it's Friday. Because you've done this a billion times. Not a billion. That would be, you'd be really old. If, you're, if you've done it a billion times, congratulations on making it this far. <laughs> What's your secret? But you've done it a lot, so try doing things different. And then in 2017, I think, was the year that the Lord said, I want you to adventure more. I want you to try something new. Every month, I felt challenged to do something. That's when Brett took me out on an airboat, and I got to help him with the SWAT team, and I got assassinated and didn't even know it. They came and showed me the picture of the scope on my head, and they were like, you're dead. <laughs> I, did, I thought I heard a crack in the woods, but apparently you, if a, a, a sniper is out to get you, you're not going to know what hit you. Wow. But, and so one of the months, I signed up to, be a, to go to the modeling school in Orlando, the Barbizon or whatever. Is that what it's called, Barbizon? Oh, John Casablanca. Yeah, yeah, something like that. So I sign up for it, you know what I'm saying? You get there, they do the glamour shot. I brought Ellie with me because she was ashamed to go with me. I ain't going there. I was like, well, baby, it'll be cool. She's like, you don't know what you're going into. I had to do the glamour shot. And then they were like, there's a run, a, walk, a catwalk. And you have to walk the catwalk in front of everybody. And pose and stuff like that. They're all, this, these people are like 16-year-olds, 13-year-olds. They're all super self-conscious. So they were like. So it comes my turn? Bro. I'm a public speaker. You know what I'm saying? I'm in my 30s. I'm married. I'm confident. And so I was like. Doom, doom, doom. I mean, I worked that catwalk, baby. This is my moment right here. This is my moment. I was made for such a thing as this. Ah, y'all ain't ready. My daughter loved it. She was like, I, I want to be a model, Dad. Like for years, that's all she could think of. I'm going to do that. You know, I got a call back. They wanted me for just $10,000 more. I could have an agent. <laughs> Real confident booster, you know. Do something different from time to time in life. You've been doing the same thing for every year of your life. Try things different, you know. Live a little. Shake things up. Go out of the way. Do different stuff. And then think on past wins. Which ultimately is reminding yourself of the testimonies of God's faithfulness in your past. I promise you, I have went through so many things that when you're going through it, you, you're, it, is, it dominates your thoughts. It, you feel like there's, this wave is so big, God, I don't know how. I can't advise you how to get me out of this. This thing could crush me. And then you blink and you're through it. And you look back and you're like, man, that wasn't even that big. Are you with me right now? 
I mean, we talk even as a church of some things that like, like I remember the ladies' room when we came here. The ladies' room had rats that ran through the roof and insulation hanging down. No, it's truthfully, it was like an ugly color. Everything was mismatched. My wife finally told me after six months, you know, if we want to grow the church, maybe we should redo the ladies' room. Obviously, I'd never been in there. I, I clearly know what I identify as. It was determined at birth. <laughs> so I never went to the ladies' room. Men don't need to go in there. And so she took me in there. I was horrified. I was like, no wonder the church won't grow. Any woman, like we love, the, how many people know the Lord will bless you? And then they walk in the bath- bathroom and like, there's no blessing here. It was awful. And so, but it was like, like $6,000 to read to the bathroom. $6,000 at that time? There was like $200 in the church bank account. We didn't get, we hadn't get, we hadn't even been paid. You know, you're like, $6,000. I remember thinking that'll be years before we can renovate this bathroom. And we did it before we turned one years old. I remember when we bought chairs. Chairs, if anybody that was in a part of that, we had these red chairs that were extra wide. I didn't, they were special ordered. Extra wide church chairs. Mom, everybody still says that. Everybody was like, they were the most comfortable. They were here. Like, church is not about comfortable chairs, people. I'm going to get wooden benches. And they were comfortable. But they were extra long, and they were like a fall pattern. And when we researched to buy chairs, it was like thousands of dollars. It was going to cost us 8000 That was like, I remember we went to the church, and we were like, for your gift. Of $35, we'll write your name underneath a chair. You can dedicate a chair to a lost person for your gift of $35. Someone's rear end will thank you in the future. And I mean, we had to raise the money. Now you just buy chairs. But in life, it's not always just financial. You know what I'm saying? It's other things that come that you're like, I don't see how we're going to get past this. Man, think on past wins. Because when you look back and you reflect on, man, God just, just this thing was going to take me out. And it was nothing now. Because that's who he is. He will see you through to great victories time after time after time. Over and over again, you will see the Lord is faithful. And all the time he's faithful. And that ends, I'll end with this. Get a good friend. If you're hanging around with people that are negative all the time, get some better friends. I mean, minister to them, love them, but keep your distance. Don't spend your whole life. People get the wrong friend that talks all negativity all the time, making problems in your life you never even had before. Picking stuff up, and then now you think on it and dwell on it. Oh, that's right. I never thought about that. Oh, you're right. I better, I better get a good friend. Get a friend that laughs. Get a friend that's hungry for God. Get a friend that prays with you. When you say pray for me, they don't say, okay, I'll pray for you. They grab your hand and they pray with you. Get that friend. Let's pray right now, Jesus' name. You want that friend that when they pray, some spit comes out. We talked about this last week, I think. You ain't praying unless spit's flying. Let's talk about it. Come on. Don't trust that prayer that's just like, Father, Get a good friend. Good friends sharpen you. Good friends challenge you. Good friends fill your life with joy. 
good friends just infuse you. You get the right type of friend, it gives you energy in life. Amen? Let's stand to our feet. We're closing with this. Romans 15, 13, I'll close with this scripture. The Bible says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in Him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Thanks for listening to River Claremont's podcast. We pray you were greatly blessed by this message. If you'd like to keep up to date with what's happening at the River Claremont Church, visit us at riverclaremont.com.